want me to get it for you? No. So flustered. So sorry. I'm just <laughs> such a 15th century woman. Like, one activity drains me. <laughs> Where's the butler? Help, I'm dying of consumption. Consumption. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of We Explain Movies. I'm Kimmy. I'm Kayleen. And I'm Courtney. And this is the podcast where three best friends submerge you in a cesspool of spoilers as we explain, rate slash review, and decide whether or not to see the latest and greatest or most beloved classics of film. Since this is a cesspool for spoilers, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of movies in this, but especially Insomnia, which is our movie of the week. Woot woot. So if you haven't seen Insomnia... Uh, Either go watch it, or we're going to spoil it for you. And then for other spoiler timestamps, you can check our Instagram and Twitter at WeExplainMovies. Heyo! <laughs> Is there more to that sentence? We are no. uh, operating strangely today because we're, we're half stoked and half uh, zombies because we just saw Endgame last night we at 10.15. Endgame yes. last night! It ended at 1.40 a.m. <laughs> Yeah, and now we are a fresh 23 hours away from that. Aww. It is in the past, and that's Aww. just... We were endgame. We were endgamed too hard to the point where we've had serious withdrawals. Kimmy and I watched Winter Soldier today yeah. because we just we just needed to. Yeah. Because all those tickets are sold out to see it again, so we couldn't go. <laughs> I mean, we also, we didn't have time today to go yeah. either, but otherwise... I might go tomorrow. (laughs) They have 7 a.m. showtimes, guys. We went so hard that I got ill. (laughs) Yes, yes. Go see Endgame. Which is really a a positive review of the movie. It is, yeah. Yeah. Do yourself the biggest favor. Go to this movie. Go. But also stay hydrated. (laughs) Hail Hydra, am I right? (laughs) Hail Hydration. Hail Hydration. Uh, Isn't that what they stand for? Is Yeah, that's what it's short for. Healthy living? Healthy living. <laughs> We're just a healthy lifestyle group. What? We've never heard anyone. <laughs> Especially because we watched, uh, um, what's it? Captain America Winter Soldier today, yeah. and just finding out, like, the, the twist that's in that movie of they are in control of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. and all that stuff. That's a big twist. That was kind of fun. Because mm-hmm. um, I haven't seen that movie for years. Winter I Soldier? Seen Winter Soldier. It's been years. Oh, okay, yeah. I was thinking you and I watched it together, but you know we what? Watched I watched War. Yeah, and I watched Winter Soldier only one time. Uh, yeah, we'd only seen it once yeah. as well. I've oh, really seen it. it was Lucky like, is the babe. Lucky is the babe. So and, fucking sexy. Uh, <laughs> I've forgotten everything. Love that so. black charcoal look on his eyes. Yeah. So good. Yeah. <laughs> that was another one of those things where, kind of like how we talked last week about how the Thor Ragnarok trailer gives away who he's fighting. Mm-hmm. It's very clear if you go back and watch the Winter Soldier trailer that, that they're trying, no, that they're trying to hide it. The intention was you go into the theater and you're like, who's this new villain? And Especially with Bucky. the line of who the hell is Bucky? Like, that broke people. <laughs> <laughs> it broke America. <laughs> it's America's um, ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we were just talking before we got into this bit about when we left the theater and how nobody was freaking out in the way that... They did it for Infinity War. Everyone was so respectful. They really were. So, like, damaged. That's good, yeah. I was, like, for sure, like, 
eyeballing people like don't fucking say anything mm. don't say anything I, I mean people were crying when i went to the bathroom wow oh. <laughs> when we when we when uh, right after when the big credits were rolling and yeah. we were sticking around i i went to the restroom and i walked out and i saw two guys crying and i Aww. just was like <laughs> oh yeah you came back and you were like guys there are full-on grown men weeping out there and then that iron man kid was like hey <laughs> yeah that poor sweet boy he was so so pure he He's brought a box of tissues guy. He dressed, was dressed full fully Iron as Man. Iron Man. Yeah. He had a glowing helmet. He was sitting next to Spider Man. Yeah. They were so cute. They, they were, were so cute. Yeah. How pure. So it was, pure. It was so pure. Yeah. <laughs> we had a great audience. Like no amazing. There was that one guy who oh, do you remember what the comment was he said? He said like predictable or something yeah, like that. Yeah, he's, oh yeah, he's a shocker. Shocker, that's what it was. <laughs> to what? When Oh he said shocker was, to Are you gonna okay. whisper it as if the audience can No. Hear it? I don't remember. <laughs> Damn it. But yeah, uh, I remember that we were like, like, who invited this guy? But We talked a little bit about audience participation last time, and like, boy, was there. I loved it. I screamed at the I top of my lungs oh, several times. Oh, I fully times. screamed. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's like such bad movie theater etiquette, but everybody was involved. It's yes. not when it's opening night. Like, oh, that's the uh-uh. thing. Anyway, we all knocked that off our watch list this week, Endgame, and I've been telling everybody this today because I can't really talk about it with anyone because only you guys have seen it with me. Mm-hmm. So I've just been saying this because it captures how I feel, is that I watched Infinity War this week, and Infinity War is just so good, mm-hmm. and there's so many moments that I get so excited, and when it was over, I was just like... How is Endgame gonna go harder than that? And they and did. They did like <laughs> so hard. That's yeah. what I told my sister today. I was like, "It's just like, how will they top that? How?" Yeah. And like, I have no idea how they did it, it but they it happened. Did it. Yeah, like it's amazing. So satisfied. <laughs> cool. Uh, what else did you watch this week? Lots of Marvel. <laughs> God's not dead. <laughs> yes, we did watch that together. Oh, <laughs> that was amazing. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, Courtney and I watched God's Not Dead because um, I have this weird, like, OCD thing where if I have a movie that either I've bought or someone has given me, I put it on a separate section of my shelf because I want to watch it before I put it in the collection. I've had God's Not Dead as a gift on my shelf for probably four or five years. Oh, that long? Since it never came out. (laughs) Wow. And I never watched it, and uh, Courtney and I just, we made that leap and had a fantastic time. fun. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I dropped in at the last, you know, couple minutes. For the juicy bit. <laughs> so juicy. Like the part when a man dies and they're all like, ah, oh, rejoice. <laughs> the, guy, the guy dies and they're like, yes, rejoice. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're dead because God would want you to be dead. And I'm like, I don't think that that's... That wasn't it. <laughs> they were glad he... They were they were rejoicing because in his final moments they show they like he accepted Jesus and they were like what yeah. a good thing that happened but ultimately a guy just died and they were like yes praise <laughs> Jesus they, they move on real quick they they real why don't we go to the concert they never <laughs> they never feel the remorse they just feel the happiness <laughs> yeah, wow that was a fun time I enjoyed it I liked that movie. <laughs> And it was funny because I we... gave it point five stars out of five. <laughs> point five <laughs> oh stars. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and we also watched it. So Courtney and I were, we took an Uber home that night, and she's like, "I was like, I'm not ready to go to bed. Let's do something." She goes, "You want to watch a movie?" I said, "I can't stay up for a whole movie." Oh yeah. We definitely paused it like seven times and watched the whole thing. 
We paused it a lot to talk. Yeah, and so also to like, like get up and hour. do other activities. <laughs> it was a three hour endeavor. It was yeah. a regular end game. We ordered Taco Bell. It was a trash day. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good day. We did a lot that day. Yeah, but we were trash people. <laughs> <laughs> What else did you watch? I think that's it, actually. We yeah. watched Next. Next. <laughs> we, Kimmy and I watched Infinity War. We watched Infinity War. But so did you, Kayleen. And, yeah. like, and we talked about we that talked, last week. We talked about that yeah. movie enough. So, yeah. I think we talked about it last week, didn't we? Did we, we did. Because that was my favorite superhero oh, movie. Oh, no, we didn't. Well we, well, we did, but we didn't talk about knocking it off our watch list because on the last podcast, you guys were like, I'm going to watch it tonight. And I was like, boo. Yeah. And then we did. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So we all watched that also. Mm-hmm. What else did you watch? Well... Winter Soldier today. Yeah. Um, oh, the night before Easter, I was in a hotel room and I watched La La Land. Oh, you did? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. Did you say ew? Get out of my house. It's my house. <laughs> I I love the movie. It makes yeah, me, me cry every time. And if you don't like that movie, oh, no. <laughs> it's, not <laughs> it's not for you. It's not for you. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> If you don't like that movie, clearly it's not your taste. <laughs> if you don't like that movie, it must be because you don't like that movie. <laughs> That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> I don't like things I don't like, and I do like things I do. I okay? don't like La La Land, and that's why I don't like La La Land. <laughs> I'm so tired, you guys. <laughs> I think this is our best episode yet. <laughs> I think I have so many cuts to make. I watched some, not weird stuff, one was weird, one was weird, because, okay, so you guys kind of know this, you've been to my sister's house, mm-hmm. typically the the game plan is maybe we'll go to the hot tub, we're always gonna drink, usually we'll watch some kind of weird movie, right? Very yeah. weird. And <laughs> Tales from the Crypt. Yeah. <laughs> we watched and I Night of the Demons. <laughs> I'm surprised you remember that, I didn't even remember the title. Yeah. It was, <laughs> it was after her husband scrolled through Amazon free movies for about two hours. <laughs> And I think we, like, I think he, oh, we watched all the trailers. Well, we, I I think he had, like, already started it, and we're like, what you watching? He's like, oh, no, I clicked some bad movie, like, don't, don't trust me, like, I, yeah. and we were like, we're gonna watch the whole thing. It was fun. Yeah. So we watched this movie that's called I'm Just Fucking With You. Oh. It's featured on Hulu. You might have seen, like, I neon, have. A neon looking skull. I have. Yeah, in like a pool. Yeah. Anyway, bad movie, you Oh, guys. really? Oh. But it was a ride. It was basically, there's this guy, and he's like an internet troll, like at some hotel, and he's waiting for his sister or something. I don't know. We were like in and out of the movie. Anyway, the guy at the hotel, who he's renting a room from, just keeps playing jokes on him, and then being like, I'm just fucking with you, and they're really weird jokes, and like none of them are funny. Like, at one point, the guy pays him for the hotel, and then he goes, and he, like, turns around to give him the key, and he's like, okay, that'll be 70 bucks. He's like, I literally just gave you the money. And he's like, what? And they get in this big argument, and then he's like, I'm just fucking with you. That sounds like that's the whole a movie. never-ending circle. It's, it's just stuff like that, and it gets crazier and crazier, and you realize this guy's actually a murderer. Like, creep. And, like, as he, yeah, and, like, as he murders people, he's like, I'm just fucking with you. It's a weird movie. Is anyone in it? I didn't recognize any of the people. Weird. Yeah. Okay, anything else? Uh, And then we watched, but then I fell asleep during it because we, like, watched it intentionally to fall asleep to, but we watched She's Out of My League. I've never seen that before. Oh, I remember that movie. And Kristen Ritter is in it, and she just, she cracks me up. Anything she's in, I love her. 
No. I, I want to be her. Just you should watch Jessica Jones. <laughs> yeah. Have you? No. Have you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm Veronica her. Mars. Watch Veronica Mars. Oh, she in that? Yeah. Oh, I liked her in Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment 23, mm-hmm. and then the show got bad. But mm-hmm. she's funny in it. She was really funny in that. Mm-hmm. All right. Are we ready to move on to questions? I believe for so. Insomnia? Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. Okay. So the questions that I came up with, name a movie, doesn't have to necessarily be good or bad, but that makes you question the protagonist's morality. Ugh. I guess I I misread the question and I picked one that I like, that I think is good. That's, That's okay. Fine. Okay. It's I'm just, I'm just saying it doesn't have to be, I don't want you to pick a movie because it, you have to think, oh, it's my favorite one like that. Just any movie that you think is a good representation of a character... Okay. Whose morality is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want me to go first? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Well, the one that I picked is The Prestige. Ooh. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. And I think that the both both protagonists are technically totally. antagonists. And it's Christopher Nolan. It's so I on know. brand. I know. Look it's on you. brand. Look at you. That's, yeah. I was like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> yeah. It's like great cast. I think it's really well acted. I just saw a clip of it on this like that you know that script to screen Instagram that I mm-hmm. that I follow like the ending just kills love it so much was that the the scene they used no the scene that they used was when they used the gunshot one because that'd be cool no no it's it's <laughs> um cool. Christian Bale's character is behind bars and it oh, yeah. shows up Hugh Jackman shows up and he's got his daughter with him and he's yeah. like, that's my daughter, you better not, you know, here, you want the secret, that's what you wanted, right? So it's just like a really, it wasn't really like a huge clip of the movie, but it just like got in my mind on yeah. that. And like that end of the movie, it's like, it's so good. Yeah. It ends like so good. It's so smart. It's a regular old Christopher Nolan twisty mm-hmm. twist. Yeah. It's so twisty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just a good, like... It's nice when a movie like that is just good throughout, too. It's mm-hmm. not just in service of the twist, but the whole movie is yes, super yeah. good. Mm-hmm. And that the characters, yeah, they are morally, you know, both really power-hungry, vengeful against one another. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, and I think that your allegiance flip-flops between either one, depending on... Yeah. They do a good job of, like, okay, now we're going to talk about him and his story. Now we're going to... Now we're switching over to, you know, his story. And so I'm like, oh, I don't know who, I'm, who I want to win, you know? Yeah. You feel empathy for both of them because totally. they've both yeah. been through horrible things. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But d- also disdain for both because they're, they're, they're bad, bad guys. Bad, yeah. They're bad guys. They just, yeah, their whole rivalry, rivalry can be really petty at times too where it just feels like it's constantly one tripping the other. Right. And then like getting ahead of them in the race and then tripping them again. He's yeah. like, I'm going to kill this bird in front of a bunch of people. Yeah. <laughs> And yeah. that, that's mine. Omigo? Yeah, just because I'm still trying to decide what to say. Okay, for this one I have some honorable mentions, too, because they're very similar movies. Um, Hell or High Water. Mm, I never saw that. It's really good, but it is bank robbers. Yeah. You are rooting for them through and through, but you obviously have to question their morality because they're willing to kill the innocent mm-hmm. and they're willing to rob and they're willing to obviously break the law, and that's why my other honorable mention is Thelma and Louise. Because you're definitely on their side, and what they do is completely right from the beginning of the movie. Um, have you seen Thelma and Louise? Mm-mm. No. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. I know the yeah. gist. The gist is that they have to be on the run because of something that they did, and I won't spoil what it was, but what oh, cool. they did, they were completely justified in doing, and they were right to do so, and so now they're on the run, but along the way, when they are 
uh, on the lam, they start committing other crimes. They mm. kind of just have to, to get by. They have gotcha. to start robbing and running from the cops and all that stuff. So, like, there's clearly gray areas of their morality. And my actual answer, though, is Gone Girl. Mm. Duh. <laughs> it's so good because you're, I'm, I'm on Amy's side the entire time. I still am. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, she's completely right in doing everything that she did. <laughs> I disagree, but yeah, for so sure. <laughs> and uh, it makes me question my own morality <laughs> in rooting for her. <laughs> nice. I just supported her in everything that she did. <laughs> oh my God. I was very happy for her. and Right, isn't it? Because like, <clears throat> Because when you look at it from like a certain perspective, you're like, that's a bad person. Mm-hmm. But everything that she does is kind of She is definitely just an Old Testament eye for an eye type of person. Whatever was done to her, she gives back, and she gives back kind of threefold in that. I was going to say, like, not not equal punishment. Oh, not even kind of. you stalked me, murder. Well, especially because in the book, she's way more ruthless. Really? Like, if somebody even bothers her for a split second, like, you know, like, she's the kind of person who, like, if a cashier looked at her funny, she would have oh. written a Yelp review to destroy her. <laughs> That's not I'm in the sad book, she but doesn't get revenge things. on the people that beat her up. Oh, right? Yeah. Yeah, that would have been cool if she was able to, but you kind of got to pick your battles in that situation. Mm-hmm. She was all about tearing down Nick at that point. Um, yeah. She also doesn't tear down Andy in any way. Mm-hmm. Who's that? The the one that Nick is sleeping with. True. Yeah, she doesn't, because... She knows it's not her fault. Yeah, no. and uh, she's just a very wrathful and vengeful person, and I think it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it uh, is fun. Her cool girl monologue is just everything I aspire to be. <laughs> so, but I understand her morals are a little bit murky. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, murder is bad, I get it. We're not perfect people. But yeah, I was excited to talk about that with that question, because I've mentioned before how much I like Gone Girl, but mm-hmm. it's never gotten to be an answer to one of my questions. Right. Mm-hmm. And so. that's, I'm excited to talk about it in the context of this movie, because it, and I know I have other examples, but it is a huge thing of what is the line and, and comparing people to. Yeah. Like, yeah. So do you guys not root for Amy when you watch that movie? Are you mad at her? Yes. Oh. Yeah. Well, at least at least in the end when she rolls up and they like hug and he's like, "You're a psycho." Oh, That's I the thing love is it. like, she's a she's a bad guy, but she's a bad guy. She's a bad guy, but you're watching it and you want her. You don't want her to be captured no, by Neil Patrick Harris. You don't want her. You want her no. to get revenge, but also it's like, I don't, why am I feeling like this? Yeah, I never want her to kill herself. I never want her to get in trouble. Like I, I do feel bad for her, but I don't want her to be with Nick. Yeah, I want them to be happy separately. <laughs> yeah, I don't like them together. That's fine. I don't ship that relationship. I mean, I, I definitely don't ship it in that way. <laughs> but I am just like, whatever you want, Amy, you can yeah. have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I yeah. think she's just a very, very interesting antihero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Gillian Flynn just really knows how to write them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. All right, Gillian, do you know your answer now? So I was here. Was my thoughts is I was trying to think of. The word morality kind of makes it a little bit harder to pick for me, I think, because I was trying to think, there are definitely movies, but I just can't really pin on one where you're on the main character's side, but I was thinking, A, of nice guy syndrome, Mm. like, in characters. I know it's a big thing where you think you're on the person's side, but the more you think about it, you realize they're kind of a dick. Like yeah, five hundred days of summer. That was That's what I was the only say. thing that was oh. in my mind when you yeah. said nice guy syndrome. Yeah. But but I'm like I don't know if that really makes his morality gray. You know, I think it makes his 
understanding of women very, very yeah. black or white, whichever <laughs> right. the, the bad version is. And then I was thinking, I know there are movies like this, too, where you're following the main character on a journey, and they're with someone really crappy, and so then they start to get with someone else, and you're on their side because you want them to be with that other person, but and it's like you're still cheating, yeah. even yeah. if it's with a horrible guy... You're still cheating on them, but I couldn't think of a good movie example. If I were to go TV, I would say Dexter, for sure, mm-hmm. because you're on his side the whole time, even though he's a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Walter White. Walter Bad. White, totally. I'm going to go kind of the opposite, where this character is totally morally bad, but then you end up sympathizing with them, mm-hmm. which is one-hour photo Love that it. you and I watched That's together. a great example. Yeah. For anyone who hasn't seen it, essentially, I won't give away exactly what happens, but this guy is a creep. Robin Williams is a straight-up creep, and the whole time you're afraid of him, you don't know what he's capable of or what he's going to do. He's stalking this family, specifically the wife in the family, and he hasn't done anything to hurt anyone, and he seems really kind, even though he's very scary, and the whole time you're afraid of him, even though he's the protagonist, and then in the end, you find out why he's like this, and that he's, even though he is a creep and scary, mm-hmm. he's not as bad as you thought he was. No, not and at all. He, it made me cry. It's very sad. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. He ends up being almost like a child, kind of, mm-hmm. in the way that he thinks. Kind of like what we were talking about with Sasami Man, of like, you're yeah. a creep, you need to not be a creep, yeah. but did you really hurt anybody physically? Exactly. Or... In that movie, he does kind of hurt them very much emotionally. Like, he does traumatizing stuff to them. <laughs> yeah. More so to the husband. Yes. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. But also, that family is broken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're never going to be okay. <laughs> They're not. But yeah. I did leave that movie by saying, oh gosh, that's so sad. I yeah. feel so bad for him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Totally. That's a really good example though. Yeah. Because it is kind of a flipped version of Reverse, that. Reverse, yeah. Because yeah. you're still wondering how you're supposed to feel about that person. Yeah. You yeah. watch it to be scared of them. That's, yeah. that was, I thought it was a horror movie. Mm-hmm. I thought I was going to be very scared, <laughs> but instead I yeah. was just realistically scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So our second question then is a little bit more broad. It's what's your favorite murder mystery movie? So now I know that Insomnia is a murder mystery. Yeah. <laughs> I I didn't Robin Williams did it. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't let uh, them watch a trailer because this it's a 2002 film and it falls into that trope of those trailers where it's like oh. here's A B C D all the way to Z. Yeah. Done. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you guys a synopsis when we're done. With you murdered but... my wife. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna kill you for murdering my wife. <laughs> my dying words. <laughs> and it goes like end credits. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like June. <laughs> See it in June. Yeah. If you want. <laughs> so murder mystery for. Al Pacino, not really a murder mystery for us, but it's still one of those where you're on the journey with them wondering okay. what oh. happened. All right, well, Kind of like Fargo. Mm-hmm. All right. So my, I have an honorable mention here. Mm. It's uh, Zodiac. Nice. Which That's has two <laughs> Avengers in it. <laughs> well, he's not Hulk an is. Avenger. No, Hulk is in it. Mark oh. Ruffalo and Robert Downey okay, Jr. Okay, but then it also has a villain. And then yeah. Jake Gyllenhaal, yeah. who's going to be Yeah, you're right. Spider-Man Far From Home. I forget about Robert Downey Jr. being in that. I mean, I've only seen it once. Oh, I thought you'd forgotten about Ruffalo being in it. No, I forgot about Robert. Oh, really? That's who I think of when I think of that movie. I think of Jake oh. and then I think of Robert. I think of Jake, mostly. 
But that's a really good movie, and um, one that I haven't seen in quite a while. I thought you guys rewatched it together. No. Oh. No. She I... said you watched it while living in this house. We've watched that movie. No. 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 I feel like we've had this conversation like a few times. <laughs> <Courtney's eyes. laughs> you guys, you watched it. You watched it without me. No, I watched Kaylee it. Watched I watched it with you and I watched this movie. No, I swear we oh did it. <laughs> <laughs> this is when we need those, like, eye memories from Black Bear. And I rewind it and show Kimmy the exact mode of us watching it together. No, no I promise. I promise. <laughs> I promise we did it. You're a dirty, dirty liar. <laughs> no, I'm scared that I'm, like, blacked out or something. <laughs> okay, well, anyway, my... <laughs> I guess I gotta watch it again, which that's okay. I mean, I'll watch it with you, but I guess you'll forget again, so. <laughs> I get it. Our friendship's not that memorable, whatever. I don't, because I don't even remember us getting to the part where they stab them in the park. We watched this movie together. I have <laughs> such clear memories of every moment. <laughs> Did I fall asleep during it? No. <laughs> Were you drunk? Were we drunk? No. <laughs> It's just a regular, it's just a normal day. It's fine. Say what you actually want to say about the movie. Did I say everything? She was going to go on to Prisoners. Yeah. Kimmy was? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's my choice. (laughs) (laughs) My my real answer is Prisoners, which that's so grumpy. (laughs) That's your choice. First you forget everything about our friendship. (laughs) And then you steal my answer. What you clearly cheated on. I had a feeling that we might have this as the same one. Well, you guys get to share the explanation. That's what I was nervous about. No, she can have it. It's fine. Well, um, chime in, too, if, if you have more things to say. Sure. It is... A great movie. I've seen it two times. Both times. The ending also makes the hairs stand up on mm-hmm. my neck, too. Just like The Prestige. Yeah. It's, like, such a good ending. And I remember the first time I watched it, yeah, I watched it with my parents. And I was like, <gasps> that's, you can end a movie like that? That's so crazy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like, it was just like a really like impactful cliffhanger, I yeah. guess, and um, it's scary to think about if it goes one way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in that is just That's his best. Amazing. That's it's his a, best. It's amazing. I would put that up there with Nocturnal Animals, which I think he did really well mm. in Nightcrawler. Yeah, which just won't ever get attention because it's a thriller mm-hmm. and like kind of too cheesy. Yeah. And then Donnie Darko, but yeah, I would say Prisoners is, like, okay. way at the top there. Yeah, it just seems really transformative. Like, it's, like, a, real, a whole different version of Jake Gyllenhaal. Like, mm-hmm. husky, kind of, like, buff, dark. Angry. Yeah, angry. Yeah. Disturbed. He's He's yeah. been through some stuff. He's just a really tortured soul, I think. Mm-hmm. And he... He works in child sex crimes. Yeah. It's just... Yeah. It's, it's awful. And you can just really... He's phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I would like to say about that movie. Detective Loki. Is that his name? Yeah, that's his name. All his tattoos and all that. Yeah, he's got Uh, a bunch of awesome tattoos and his awesome haircuts, like slicked back. Do you have an honorable mention that you want to bump up to first place? I don't. The other thing I'll just say about Prisoners is, though, that the mystery is not what you think it is, which is really cool. You think it's about one thing and it ends up being about several other cases along the way. Yeah. Yeah. There's three crimes in it. Yeah. That are all huge and have a lot to do with history and Mm -hmm. 
putting the pieces together. So it is like a really fun puzzle piece of a movie um, where the audience is kind of going on all these twists and turns with the detective and being shocked by things and also being shocked by what the dad is experiencing. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. It's, I just, and great performance from Paul Dano. Like, it's really yeah. just the cast is what sells it for me. I had no yeah. idea that was Melissa Leo because she looks so different mm, in yeah. like everything she's in. Yeah. I just think it's a really, really realistic and, and sad depiction of what might happen to a family if, you know, a crime like that occurred. And yeah. It is, and it's also specific to where and when it's taking place, too. Like, mm-hmm. just kind of a suburban, not really an upper-class family in Pennsylvania. Right. And, like, yeah. you're near the woods, you're you're dealing with the cold weather. I also forgot that it affects, that there's two families that are there's part two of this. Families. Yeah. Which is really interesting. Got a lot of feelings to take into account when you watch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And a lot yeah. of just honest reactions from dads mm-hmm. and from families and from mothers and from siblings. Yeah. yeah. It's it really captures the whole family. There's a brother, mm-hmm. there's a sister, there's yeah. a mom, there's a dad, and everyone's gonna have a different reaction yeah. and a different way of wanting to handle things. Yeah. And you understand who is really just kinda laying down to it and who is putting up too much of a fight when really mm-hmm. there's nothing to fight against. It's it's very interesting. Yeah. And and also another good dialogue about, you know, the morality of certain characters yeah. too. Oh, for sure. Hugh Jackman's character is the most flawed. Yeah, uh, for sure in that movie. He I mean, he's you can't say he's justified because what he does is entirely wrong, but And he's just acting on emotion. Yeah, he, he's acting he on emotion know. and suspicion. Exactly. Yeah. Cuz yeah. That's going to tie into our movie today. Great. <laughs> um okay, so for my choice uh, you know, I actually just thought of an honorable mention. The reason that I'm not putting it above my pick isn't because I like my pick better, but because I think my pick is way more of a murder mystery. But technically, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri is a murder mystery. Oh, yeah. And that movie slays. All the characters are so fully fleshed out. And I love getting to see stuff from Lucas Hedges in that because you don't ever think about him until he chimes in and he... Tells the mom that he didn't know exactly the details of his sister's death until she put it on the billboards. And Mm-mm. it's affecting more than just her, you know. doesn't revolve around her. It's been too long since I've watched that. Ooh, so good. Watched it over Christmas. <laughs> it's a nice family film. And uh, my answer is Primal Fear. It's super good. Essentially, I've seen it twice, but both times were a while ago. It's from the 90s, which... I just think that the 90s are rich in this oh, genre. And I wonder why. What was the American mm, right? household going through at that time? <laughs> it, it seems like that was just a vibe you could get away with more, whereas now I think people are a lot more critical to say, well, that's not realistic or yeah. something. I don't know. But they were, they were busting them out in the 90s. Then again, we're getting that movie with Dennis Quaid coming out, which, you know, like... <laughs> That's not like a murder mystery. Wait, what? What are you talking about? The scary it's like one? a thriller? No, yeah, like a thriller. Oh, I'm thinking Primal Fear as a thriller, like how Double Jeopardy is, or The Net, or enough. No, it's more, like... it's more like Seven, this movie. Okay. Yeah. It's got that vibe. But essentially, in the movie, Edward Norton's character is accused of killing this archbishop, and Richard Gere is his defense attorney, and he is convinced that Edward Norton didn't do it. He sees all these signs of Edward Norton being crazy, and he's working with him, and there's these really beautiful scenes of the two of them together, and by the end of the movie, you don't know what actually is going on. 
I don't want to say anymore, but it's really dope, and both of those actors are phenomenal. And Edward Norton's like a baby. It's yeah. also only, or I guess it was 96, but that's only three years before Fight Club, so he got two really mm. good, like, kind of similar type roles at that time. All right, getting into Insomnia. So, you guys don't know anything about it. I yeah. didn't let them watch a trailer because, bad trailer. So, I have a little synopsis here on the internet that's pretty short, just so that you guys can make some predictions that have, like, a little bit to do with the movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, this says, uh, I don't want to, like, plagiarize. This is from Google search. It You're allowed says, to say that. Uh, film synopsis. From acclaimed director Chris... Chris Nolan? Are you best friends with him? (laughs) From acclaimed director Christopher Nolan comes a story of a veteran police detective, Al Pacino, who is sent to a small Alaskan town to investigate the murder of a teenage girl. Forced into a psychological game of cat and mouse by the primary suspect, Robin Williams, events escalate and the detective finds his own stability dangerously threatened. I like that. Yeah. Robin Williams, what's his relationship to the girl? Do you want to know? Do you want to guess? Can you just read what it said about Robin Williams first? It just said, uh, to investigate the murder of a teenage girl forced into a psychological game of cat and mouse by the primary suspect, Robin Williams. Oh, oh he's, he's the primary, primary suspect. suspect. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yep. Is there somebody else in this? Hilary Swank. Is she the teenage girl? No. <laughs> <laughs> she's, uh, one of the detectives in Alaska that they're gonna come see. So she's, like, the townie, and then yeah. Pacino comes in. He's the big shot from L.A. Gee. Yeah. Is this Wind River? I was going to say, is this Wind River? (laughs) (laughs) That takes place in Alaska, doesn't it? Uh, It's Wyoming. It's Wind River, Wyoming. Oh. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. And that's a female hotshot coming in to help Jeremy Renner. Oh, cool. It's Elizabeth Olsen. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's super good. (laughs) Everything is just... (laughs) I thought of that one as an honorable mention for Mm -hmm. Murder Mystery, but Mm -hmm. I was like, it's not really about that. Like, it's not about yeah. solving it too mm, much. Not really. As it is about the conditions and everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so in this movie, I think Pacino shows up, Robin Williams is in jail, and he's like, why'd you murder your daughter? Did she bother you? Did she not do the dishes? <laughs> oh, you oh think that is the daughter? <laughs> Are you trying to do Pacino? <laughs> what? No, I wasn't even doing a voice. Oh, I just okay. said words. <laughs> portraying it but it's very much the way that you would imagine a a man in the 90s who's very much i have to be a man and i'm not allowed to show emotion this is the 90s don't you know yeah okay more predictions (laughs) you killed your cousin lila (laughs) it was your daughter now it's your cousin i don't know (laughs) first you killed your daughter then you murdered your cousin (laughs) Why did you do it, Billy? <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't know anything. Like, I couldn't say a single thing. 
I, I'm really surprised to hear that Robin Williams is in this film. What year? 2002. He's, he already has an Oscar. Wow. What? What? Yep. For Goodwill Hunting? Yep. So this was his dramatic follow-up where he said, I'm going to play a crazed sex maniac child murderer. Oh my God. <laughs> Zero to a hundred. Zero it, it went 100. from daughter to cousin to my sex slave. <laughs> 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 Mrs. Doubtfire, who? <laughs> I think that you who, know, dear? That you for denying that? You for denying that, fair, my dear? <laughs> um, I think that Robin Williams is probably going to be in, in custody or questioning for a lot of the movie. Yeah, and I think that he's probably that the what you think that the crime is at is at face value is it's more than meets the eye in that. Robin Williams is withholding certain information because of maybe his involvement in the crime or his relationship with the victim. Mm -hmm. You know, throughout the movie, things are going to be revealed that tie him closer and closer to the crime and maybe convolute his his uh, story. I think that there's going to be a twist. I think it'll be cat and mousey because maybe Robin Williams has some involvement with the police department already. Mm. Like maybe he was... A police officer, or maybe he's involved with Hillary Swank. Okay. And then this, I feel like just because you said teenager, it's got to be his daughter or okay. a familial relative. It'd mm -hmm. be awful if it was like his girlfriend. Yeah. Because I know he's old at this point. I was going to ask, is there any element of sci-fi involved in this at all? Not at all. Okay, so we don't have to deal with like a Green Mile situation. <laughs> no, no, okay. no. Okay. No. <laughs> no. I haven't seen a lot of Robin Williams filmography, unfortunately. Mm. But I haven't really seen any movies of him where he is really dark and suspicious. I think like one hour photo. Yeah. That was yeah. really good. Um, so I'm like, I'm looking forward to his performance mm -hmm. in this. Or August Rush. <laughs> <laughs> Ew, I hate him in that. I hate that movie. I actually, you don't hate August Rush. I like that movie. You I, like August Rush? I you? didn't really like it when I Ooh. saw it. I for sure uh, thought that okay. he was Bono in that. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't hate that movie, but I watched it when I was a kid, and I was like, boring, put on something better. <laughs> really, I saw it when I was, I don't know, maybe an eighth grader or something like that, yeah. and I was like, can't wait to watch this movie, I bet it's going to blow my mind, and then I watched it, and I was like, oh. You started slapping stuff around the house? I did, though. I'm a musician! <laughs> <laughs> that song you that he played at the end was my alarm clock sound for, for years. <laughs> That's on brand. It starts off so nice. Yeah, but I was like, oh, music is all around us. <laughs> music is all around us. You start us. just breaking stuff it's in your in house. It's in the trees. It's in the air. Guys, listen to the sound of our ceiling fan. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just, oh, I'll be quiet for a sec. Oh, ceiling fan. <sighs> yeah, I love the ceiling fan. Yeah. <laughs> I liked that movie. Okay, so, yeah. I feel yeah, like I have okay. more to say on this, but I can't find words. I just kind of want to hear Kayleen's explanation at this Yay. point. Yay. <laughs> Alright, so this is kind of fun. It was the same year that One Hour Photo was made. So yeah. two mm -hmm. kind of similar roles back to back. Somebody's trying to get out of a mold. <laughs> totally. One Hour Photo is definitely a lot less subtle of a character. Um, that was kind of a backwards way to say it. But this character is a lot more subtle. One Hour Photo is creep, 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 like the whole time. Oh. Okay. I just thought this was interesting. That This is a remake of a 1997 Norwegian film called Insomnia. Oh. Starring Stellan Skarsgård. Nice. Who's in Goodwill Hunting with Robin. So that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. One more thing. All my... These are all my fun facts. It was very hard to find these, actually. <laughs> but this one's pretty cool. 
a big theme throughout the film is going to be insomnia and how that messes with your brain. And the detective's name, Al Pacino's character's name, is Dormer, like Dormir, which is French for sleeping. Or just like the dorm root word. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but specifically sleep. Okay. (laughs) But yes. Uh, So that's pretty cool. To start us off, the film begins with the opening title, and we see something that we don't quite know what it is, that it's setting the tone of the movie. It's blood soaking into what some kind of white fabric. Could be a rag, could be clothing, we don't know. It's a very up-close shot of a drop or two of blood soaking into white something. Um, We also see some man, we don't know who this man is, and what it looks like is he's trying to rub blood off of his clothing. Mm. That's what it appears to be. So we've seen blood seeping into clothes, and we see this guy trying to get blood off of him. Now the movie starts. So Will Dormer is Al Pacino. He arrives in this small, fake town in Alaska called Nightmute, Alaska. He's with his much younger partner, Detective Hap Eckhart. Oh, I didn't know there was another detective. Who is he played by? Some guy. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to picture John Favreau. Yeah, sure. <laughs> he actually looks nothing like that. He's like young and thin and like. I'll picture Agent Coulson. He looks douchey. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> I love it. Let's keep it. <laughs> so they get there, and Hilary Swank is just. She's so ready. Her name is Ellie Burr, and she. Oh we find out, is a diehard fan of Dormer. Apparently, he's this hotshot detective. She studied one of his cases in school. She tells him, oh, I studied the so-and-so murders. You're a legend. This is so awesome to get to work with you. And I actually watched this interview with her where she said this really cute thing that during some of the scenes in that first meeting when they're driving back to the station together... She said that she had this really similar feeling, a parallel feeling of her as an actress admiring him as an actor, Mm. and she thought it was so cool that she got to play that out in her character of being That's a nice, yeah, uh, (laughs) Yeah. controlled way of, like, being a fangirl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like, oh my god, I love you, no, I'm just in character. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, she tells him about those things, he's like, okay, whatever, kid. Um, They get to the station... So it's Dormer, Burr, Eckhart, they're looking over this dead body. It's a 17-year-old girl named Kay Connell. You find out through the other police officers that they were sent here because this small town doesn't know how to deal with a murder like this. Yeah. It's really brutal, and it's very strange because her nails were clipped and painted, her hair was washed, (sighs) and it... It's the only murder that they've had like that. They haven't had, I don't think, any murders in this town. But it's just a very weird and specific thing. They got that from a real case. Did they? Yeah. Interesting. So they're looking over the body of Kay Connell. They see that her body's been weirdly taken care of. And she was also found naked. They have this conversation where Dormer is telling Detective Burr, so Hilary Swank, the young new detective... You know, you need to look at the small things. We gotta... He's kind of realizes how big of a fan she is, and so he's giving her little tips and tricks, and she loves it. He's like, 
it's not just the big things like that. Sometimes it's the smaller details that people don't pay attention to that'll get you your guy. So they end up going to Kay's house. They're looking through all her stuff. They end up finding some really fancy dresses in her closet and a really fancy necklace. And they find out that she's dating this guy at school named Randy, but Randy's a little punk. There's no way that Randy had the money to buy her stuff like that. Uh-oh. And her Robin parents... Williams e- bought it for her. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God. Oh. Her parents don't have the money to buy her stuff like that, so who's buying her this stuff? That's what the big question becomes. Uh, as they're in her room, Dormer immediately says, I want to go to that school. I want to interview her best friend. I want to interview her boyfriend. Because they also find a picture of her and her best friend ripped in half with her best friend's part in the trash. The drama. Right? So 2002. <laughs> he says, let's go to their school right now. And they kind of laugh at him. And they go, we can't. He goes, why? And they go, it's 10 o'clock. And he's like, yeah, so they'll be in school. And they're like, no, it's 10 o'clock at night. Oh, he that's has no when, idea because it's oh, Exactly. Oh. So that's when you find out that this town is always light at this time of year. And he has no idea how to deal with that. Clearly. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> let's go to school. It's 10 p.m. Even watching it, because that's the first time they reveal that, I was like, yeah, 10, they'll be in school. What? What's the deal? Oh, love that. I, yeah. I really hope, and I doubt it's possible, but that the movie's really dramatic, and they're like, no. Detective Dormer, it's 10 p.m. They all, they all turn to the camera. And it, like, all 10. zooms in, and he's yeah. like, <gasps> he immediately falls asleep. Up that 10 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> they like get out a megaphone and say it right in his ear. It's, it's 10, 10 p.m. <laughs> you never go to sleep in this town. Hillary's <laughs> <laughs> like, like, we party all night. <laughs> then we do it in Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> a disco ball descends from Kate's bedroom ceiling. <laughs> YMCA blares. Robin Williams is wrecking balling the disco ball. <laughs> He's outside, like, shimmying past Guys, the window. This, this just, this just <laughs> slipped. I'm tired. We clearly are. Normal people don't have these thoughts. I feel like we would say this on a normal day. We would, but not while podcasting. <laughs> okay. Anyway, they're done with the inner bedroom. So... Dormer and Eckhart, his partner, decide they're going to go out for what is apparently a late, late dinner. Moose burgers. Oh, <laughs> um, so they go out to dinner at some diner in town. There's actually quite a few people there still. It's like it's like us last night after Endgame. <laughs> going into the diner. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Somebody approaches Al Pacino. Do you guys have a Tide pen? <laughs> <laughs> It's not because you're a detective or anything. I just thought you looked really smart. You look really smart. (laughs) So, Dormer and Eckhart are at this diner. Mom from Liar Liar is the waitress. She, you know, gives them their menus, seats them, whatever goes away so that they can talk and decide what to order. As the two are talking, we find out through their dialogue that Internal Affairs is cracking down on their precinct back in L.A. Eckhart tells Dormer, hey, they actually approached me, they want to do a deep dive into my stuff, and they basically are ultimately trying to get to you. I was going to say, is he a bit of a disgraced detective? Is he like... Dormer? Yeah. Is we he don't not know. the hotshot we think he is? No, he definitely is, okay. but 
Well, doesn't play by the rules. Exactly. That's what we're I'm a rogue! Out. Yeah. It's very dexter like when Dexter will break into someone's house to get the evidence to make uh-huh. sure he can kill them. That kind of stuff. Or that's that's the vibe we're getting. It also seems like maybe he roughs people up a little bit. But Eckhart basically says, they're trying to get to you to save my own ass. I told them I would testify against you. Dormer basically says, you know that I'm not a dirty cop. And if you testify against me, all my credibility goes out the window. I'm so old, I'm about to retire. And pretty much any case that I've ever closed has the potential of being reopened and all these people that we know are bad could potentially get let loose on the streets. Mm-hmm. So it's this huge thing and the waitress comes back like, what do you guys want to order? And Dormer says, I'm not hungry. And he gets up and leaves. Very sad. I bet he is hungry though. Yeah. <laughs> he probably was. His stomach um, is probably really mm-hmm. confused by the time change. <laughs> okay. So then the next day, Dormer ends up talking to Burr, and he finds out more and more about what she's about, and she's so, she's just got this air of naivety, and she wants to learn everything, and she's so pure, and he loves it, and ends up really taking a liking to her. They end up going to the school, so Dormer and his partner take the boyfriend, Randy, out of class, and they're interrogating him. And Randy is totally Mr. Cool, leather jacket-wearing guy. I think he even rides a motorcycle or something. Oh, gosh. As you do. Right. I was picturing full-on Letterman, like... No, not that kind of guy. Okay. And we find out that he actually used to beat Kay. That's awful. Yeah. And he's so nonchalant about everything Dormer is asking him. He doesn't seem to care about the fact that he's probably a suspect, right? Mm-hmm. And then this is when it becomes clear that Dormer doesn't really play by the rules. He kind of grabs the kid's desk that he's interrogating him in and pulls it, like, right up to his face. And he's like, hey, we know she was probably seeing someone else. We know you used to beat the crap out of her. Tell us what's going on. Give us an alibi or, you know, you're going to be the suspect. Mm. And we find out that the reason... Which, not that this excuses domestic violence, but the reason he was beating her was because he knew she was seeing someone else and she refused to tell him who it was. Mm. So he doesn't even know. He doesn't know. Okay. Okay. Yep. We find out that... I feel like I'm on a murder mystery right now. You're on one? Yeah. Do you mean (laughs) like one? one? (laughs) Like, I'm like, all right, he's out. Right. Right. I never ever would have suspected that idiot. Yeah. (laughs) And, yeah, and Eckhart kind of looks at him like, you sure that's not our guy? And he's like, no. <laughs> like, of course we're, not. We're only 20 like minutes into the movie. Like, emotional idiot. Yeah. would have pulled him in and been like, did you do it? And he'd be like, yeah, I killed her, so what? <laughs> yeah, I killed her, so he what? He been, I mean, this is before texting, but he would have been texting like, yeah, so what? <laughs> <laughs> so it's clear that he didn't do it, and we don't know who this guy is that she's seeing, and Randy won't tell us where he was. He says he didn't have an alibi. He's a loser. But it's suspicious, okay? Dormer and Eckhart are investigating further. Dormer is talking to Burr and telling her, you know, relook over all the stuff we've collected from her house. Maybe you'll find something, okay? All of a sudden, some other cop guys from Nightmute come in and they say, Hey, we found her bag. Her school bag. Mm-hmm. Kay's school bag. They found it in a hunting shack over in some lake somewhere. And they bring in the bag, and Dormer's looking through it with gloves. He finds a book, like a like a detective novel. Yeah. He finds some school books. I realized I was going to say book and then more books. So he finds, like, a novel, then he finds some school books. 
And they say, okay, so you want us to take all this stuff down to evidence. He says, take all the contents to evidence, but let's put some other books in there. Let's put it back in the shack. And I want you to tell every news station in town to say that there's a reward if someone brings in her bag. Thinking huh. that, oh. wow. Yeah. What a little yeah. minx. Then there's kind of this weird tension between Eckhart and Dormer, where Eckhart kind of, imp- he doesn't say anything, but it's implied that, okay, so, so Dormer says to Eckhart, I know, I know, just because someone brings in the bag doesn't mean they're the murderer. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of clear that Eckhart maybe isn't on board for all of these little tricks he uses. I mean, it's risky. It's risky. It doesn't mean for sure that person's like, a murderer. not harming anything. Right. So anyway, they do that, and they say, we're all gonna go, like all of us main cops are gonna go to the shack and hide out and wait to see if someone comes for the bag. Yeah. Right? Because if they I know like if they know where it is, they're gonna come. Ooh, I can get a reward from saying I found this somewhere. They're all hiding. All the cops are kind of split up. I think maybe there's six of them or something. It's uh, Dormer, Eckhart, Burr, and then like two or three other cops. And it's super foggy in Alaska in the daytime by the shed, so you can't really see anything very well. Oh my gosh, that's so spooky. It's super spooky. And I said spooky. <laughs> no, spooky. <laughs> so, they... <laughs> no, big difference. There spooky? is. <laughs> Isn't that, like, cute spooky? I guess. I think this is spooky, though. <laughs> Just spooky? spooky. Have you guys seen that, like, it was, like, a Halloween store that accidentally oh. pr- printed a whole bunch of things that were, like, spooky, and it, it meant to say spooky. spooky. <laughs> See, I think that was the origin, but then it evolved into something weirder, because yeah. I've definitely seen, like, memes of, like, people in, like, sexy Halloween costumes, and it'll be, like, looking spooky. Oh, gross. <laughs> Don't take that away from us. <laughs> Spoopy's not sexy, 2019. Make Spoopy spooky spooky again. Make Spoopy spooky again. (laughs) So they're all hiding out, however many of them there are, and they see a figure in the distance walking around, gonna go to the shack, okay? Mm. And one of the cops, Mr. Dum-Dum over here. There's always a Mr. Dum-Dum. Right, Mr. Dum-Dum. Detective (laughs) Dum-Dum. DDD, triple D. He... Moves a little bit and hits their megaphone so it goes <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. It's Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a pre recorded thing that's like, we got him. <laughs> anyway, it's a megaphone noise that goes <laughs> like that. And so the figure in the distance freaks out, starts running. So then Dormer and Eckhart start running after him. They're trying to get him. They all kind of split up. It actually ends up being that Dormer is with Dum Dum Megaphone, and they see the figure, and they're pointing their guns at him, and they're shouting for him to stop, but he opens fire on them and shoots Dr. Dum Dum in the leg. <gasps> Wait, the figure? You mean Detective Dum Dum? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to change his name every time. <laughs> uh, Senor Dum Dum. <laughs> He, yeah, he gets, he gets shot in the leg. Professor He's down. Okay. He deserves uh, that. Archbishop Dum <laughs> We're not that far into the movie. Pope Dum Dum. For the part. It's Lieutenant Dum Dum. I mean, I'm assuming he's not going to show up 
again. General Manager Dum Dum. We actually get one more scene with Mr. Dum Dum. So save your names. To the regional the manager Dum Dum. Oh my god, we gotta save the names. There's more scenes with Dum- Mr. Dum Dum. There's more scenes with Mr. Dum Dum. I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. Alright. We're loving it. We're loving it. I'm glad it's 10 out of 10 still. Put <laughs> sure on the watch list. <laughs> if nothing else, just so you can laugh every time he's on screen. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I go, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's not what I thought Dum Dum would look like. <laughs> I'm actually imagining the young cop from Gone Girl. Oh, Patrick Fugit. Yeah. Oh. So. I'm not, but he, he's actually like a kind of attractive looking like 30 year old. Okay, well, so, <laughs> so Patrick Fugit. Yes, but I'm just picturing someone more... He looks more manly. I'm picturing that. someone more basic, like just like mm. you're a face and I see <laughs> it. <laughs> And now you're gone. Your face from 2002, I won't remember you. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like such a good song. <laughs> sounds like the next ever like listening your, song. <laughs> your face from 2002, I won't remember you. <laughs> All of this stays. <laughs> All of this stays. So <laughs> Listeners, we're so sorry. <laughs> and you're just kind of on edge the whole time worried that someone is just going to shoot him out of nowhere, mm-hmm. you know? And he's looking around. It's very scary and confusing. And then all of a sudden, he finally sees a figure in the distance and he chases after it. And he lifts up his gun and he's trying to aim and he shoots the figure in the chest. <gasps> That's such a risk. It's such a risk, you guys. And so he runs over to the figure and it's Eckhart. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh no! And then we get this scene where Eckhart is looking up at him and he's so terrified and he's like, Did you mean to do that? Are you trying to silence me? Because I was gonna tell on you to IA. And it's so scary, but then it kind of does seem a little bit blurry if he meant to do it or not. And he dies. <gasps> of course he does. Yeah, he dies. As he was running over to the body, he saw a gun on the ground, which we don't really know whose it is, but it's assumed it's the actual bad figure's uh, gun. Yeah, because it's not so like he, a registered police gun. Right, so he puts okay. that in his pocket and nobody knows he has it. He's yelling once the guy dies. He's yelling for backup. He's like, you guys, like, help over here, man down. And, of course, he says that the figure shot him. Mm. Oh, my gosh. Pacino's so shady. Yeah. He's shady. Because, yep. also, you're hiding a gun that's a suspect. Yep. Also, ballistics is going to know the gunshot right. wound in Eckhart is your own gunshot. Right. 
Wow. So this this will all come up, but yes, this is this is the concern yeah. of, of Dormer at this point in time. Now that Eckhart is dead and they're back at the police station, he has to give, you know, a little bit of a play-by-play of what happened because he was the last person to see Eckhart alive, so he has to kind of make up a story of what happened. And Burr, so Hilary Swank, gets assigned to the the case quote case. Yeah. It's not really a case, they just they have to do an official write up of what exactly happened for, you know, official records because it is technically a murder, but they're the one of Eckhart. The one of Eckhart. Yeah. So they have to do a write up, but it's not really a murder investigation in the same way because they But it's a death. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So they just need to make sure that it wasn't somebody in the force. Even if it was somebody in the force, it was an accident. I I mean, Dormer knows the complication behind their relationship and knows that the IA is already on to him, so he knows if he says it's an accident, nobody's going to believe that. Okay, At least yeah. in L.A. The Alaskans would, probably, but that's not really who matters, no. ultimately. So now he goes to visit Sergeant Dum Dum in okay. the hospital. <laughs> and he's fine, he just had a leg injury... The bullet either went through or nicked his leg, so it's still at the crime scene, the bullet from the bad guy. And they have this conversation where he, Mr. Dum Dum, is talking about how guilty he feels because he knows that the megaphone is kind of what made everything spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. And Dormer says, we weren't out there for our health. Anything that happened on that beach is the fault of one man and one man only. Which is very clear that he's telling himself that to make himself feel better. Yeah, we were there for whoever killed Kay. Right. Essentially saying, whoever that figure was is the reason that Eckhart is dead, even though he didn't kill him himself. So that's what's happening now. That's basically all that that scene does for us. Now we're having a little search investigation because they need to find the bullet that was left at the crime scene mm-hmm. from the leg injury. And there's a whole team of people that are looking for the bullet. And Dormer's out there with them, too, looking for the bullet. And he has this vision of Eckhart. He thinks that one of the people going to look for the bullet is Eckhart and then realizes it's not. It's another man. Mm-hmm. So he's already starting to have hallucinations, probably A, because he still hasn't slept yet, and B, because of the guilt. They finally find the bullet, it's a .38 caliber. I don't know anything about guns, you guys. There's only two guns that I know what they're called in this movie because of how much they say it. Excuse me, listeners, if you know a lot about guns. They say it's like a point. This is a .38 caliber that we found in the rocks. Dormer, when he was on the way to the hospital to go visit the guy with the megaphone, he stopped, he pulled over his car, and he threw up in an alleyway because of, again, I'm assuming the guilt and the not yeah. sleeping... And he threw up in an alleyway on a bunch of trash, and there was a dead dog in the alleyway at the show. He goes back to the alleyway knowing that the dog is there. He takes that gun that he picked up off the beach, which he sees is that thirty-eight caliber, Ah. so whoever shot... He sees that whoever shot that guy in the leg is the gun that he's holding, so he shoots that dead dog. Ew. What? (laughs) He shoots that dead dog so that he has a bullet that entered flesh, and he digs the bullet out. Wow. And I assume you know what he's going to go do with it. He goes down to the morgue because he's the one responsible for bringing the bullet that was found in his dead partner back up to the lab. 
So he goes to get the bullet. He swaps his bullet with the one he shot in the dead dog. Mm-hmm. They're going to know that that's not human DNA. He cleans it off. Oh. And the bullet that they take out of the guy is cleaned off. Oh. Yeah. I assume so they can run ballistics on it. Maybe it's not accurate. I don't work at a police precinct. My guy sounds like is. a bad guy. Like, he already knows all these tricks, you know? Yeah. But he's all, he's also just a clever guy. I think his brain just works really fast and... I think he's he's always out to to do the right thing, but by wrong means. Yeah. So he wants the bad guys to, uh, I, I bet he has a tragic backstory, mm-hmm. and he wants the bad guys to meet their ends the proper way, but mm-hmm. he's going to do it the wrong right, way. Right, right. Yeah. Again, very Dexter. Yeah. So he's still suffering from insomnia when he goes and swaps the bullet out. He's hearing all these crazy loud noises at the police station and can't focus. Burr ends up bringing him the finalized report about what happened on the beach, and she goes, okay, I already signed it, I just need you to sign it. Deep down somewhere, he gets that she is not like him, and he says, you know what, that's your name that you're putting on this report, you need to look this over more carefully, I feel like you did this too fast, and this is like my friend's life. Hmm look this over again and make sure that you're okay with signing off that this is what happened. So even though that's going to put him in danger, he has her do it again. He goes back to his hotel room and he tries to sleep again. He tries to tape the curtains up with some blankets or something so that there's less light in the room. He's having all these visions. Maybe he did mean to do it. Maybe he didn't. He seems really conflicted. And then all of a sudden he gets a phone call in the hotel room. And he answers the phone, and it's Robin Williams' voice, and he says, can't Mm. sleep well? (gasps) No. They have a little bit of a conversation, and Robin Williams says he dropped his gun, and so that's the one that Dormer picked up. And they have this interesting conversation about insomnia that I just found really cool, because... I don't suffer from insomnia, but obviously everyone in their life has had a point or, like, multiple nights where they are up and no one else is up. Yeah. And that, what that feels like. And he has this line where he says, you know, can't sleep, me neither. 4 a.m. is so lonely, it feels like the entire world has deserted you. And Mm -hmm. I just thought that was very cool because it does feel like that if you're sitting in your living room at night and it's dark and... It's quiet outside. It kind of feels like you're the only person in the world who could possibly be awake. Sometimes, but for me, it's in a fun way. (laughs) It's in a fun way. Oh, for sure. I imagine back in this year, and you're in some small town, he doesn't have anything to do, and he's just lying there looking at the ceiling, and I just love that conversation. It's a good conversation, especially for cat and mouse tactics. Like, those tactics are so strange, Mm -hmm. and they're just so odd to do that. Yeah. You, you got away with it, if that was your gun. Why are you calling this detective up? But that's the same thing with Seven. John yeah. Doe, why are you reaching out? There are a lot Zodiac, of... Zodiac, why are you asking the newspapers yeah. to publish mm-hmm. your letters? There's a lot of parallels to Seven. The fact that we hear his voice over the phone, and mm-hmm. that if you know this actor, it's a very discernible voice. I mean, Insomnia didn't try to hide it the way Seven did, but you still know from the second he talks on the phone. Yeah. And you don't see him for a very large portion of the film, even though he's the second okay. build character. I was getting worried. I was like, I feel like we're kind of far in the movie. and. But yeah, you don't see him for a long time, which is also similar to Seven. He also tells Dormer that he knows that he shot his partner 
and he knows that the IA is after him, and he says, you and I are partners in this. Like, we both have pretty much the same thing at stake. And he hangs up. So he did it, then. That seems like an admission. It is. He's saying, yes, I killed her. Okay. Yeah. But we don't know who he is. It's Robin Williams. I mean, we, yeah. <laughs> we, we know, but we don't know. We don't know his relationship with her. Boyfriend. Well, <laughs> and we don't know, like, Dormer has no clue what he looks like, exactly. who he is, but okay. yes, we know, okay, that's wrong. <laughs> I mean, it's the same way when you watch Seven, you're like, look for Kevin Spacey, it's right. the Kevin Spacey amongst it's, the people. <laughs> it's the one that looks like Kevin Spacey. The next day is Kay's funeral. Tanya, which is the best friend, and Randy are both there together. Looks like they might be in a relationship or have some kind of weird flirty thing. Mm-hmm. And she's about to get on his bike to go home. And he's kind of being a dick because it just seems like that's what he's like, mm-hmm. the boyfriend guy. And Dormer says, how about I take you home? And she's kind of like, I think she just wants attention and this town is so small that she wants something exciting to happen to her. Wow. So she does it because she wants to try to flirt with this older man, even though he's so old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, even older than Robin Williams, so old. Not that Robin Williams is ancient in this, but, like, Dormer has gray hair and stuff. So Tanya and Dormer are in the car. She keeps trying to hit on him, and he's trying to sidetrack the conversation to be about this mystery man. Why'd you guys have a falling out? Who do you think he was? And she just won't focus on the conversation. So he drives her to the dump where they found Kay's dead naked body. Really? That's so sad. Yeah. She doesn't know why they're there. And he basically points at the spot and starts yelling at her and says, this is where we found her body. She was right here. Why aren't you cooperating? This and that. And makes her feel really bad, which kind of fair. Your best friend died and you and the boyfriend won't tell us anything to help us find the killer. Yeah. And he says, who gave her this? And pulls out the necklace and she says, I don't know. She told me that she was seeing some older guy, but she wouldn't tell me who it was. She thought it was made her so special. She was seeing this guy that gave her all this attention and bought her these nice things. And she's crying at this point. And he says, well, what was his name? And she goes, she told me his name was Brody, but I know that wasn't his real name. No, that's not an old man name. Yeah. (laughs) His name's Brody. It's not his real name. That's pretty much the end of that. So Dormer goes back. He's looking through Kay's stuff again, looking for more clues. And he sees that that mystery novel she had was written by this author, Walter Finch. And the series of novels is called The A.J. Brody Mysteries. Mm. He's like, that seems like a weird coincidence that it's... Walter Finch the dude? Right. Mm. So he looks on, I believe he looks on the back of the book and it's a picture of Robin Williams. Oh, which again, wow. not that he, that makes means anything to him, but to us it does. So then, again, because he just acts on a whim and says, oh, it's Brody, it's on her book, that's a weird coincidence. And, you know, it ends up being that is the correct of coincidence. Course. But he goes and breaks into this guy's apartment with no backup or anything. Gosh. Because you're not allowed to do that. And he breaks into his apartment, he's looking through his stuff, trying to find evidence when Robin Williams comes home. So this is the first time we see Robin Williams. He comes home, can tell that someone's inside by the way that his dogs are behaving, mm-hmm. and so he runs. And they have this epic chase scene, like, through the apartment building, out the side, over fences, all... This really just sounds like Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Tip, right? <laughs> yeah, typical chase scene. I did find it a little bit comical, because... They're both just solidly (laughs) middle-aged men running around, 
And I was like, you guys look like you're having a tough time. Yeah, I was just going to say, I can't imagine Robin Williams, like, sprinting. No, he doesn't. Doesn't sprint. They're not, neither of them sprints. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's really not as comical as I think I'm making it sound, but I just kind of got taken out of it for a second, and I was like, these two old it's men are like being that, extra. That silent movie music where it's like... So they're running around. Typical chase run through all these different exciting places visually. And then there's... I don't know anything about this kind of stuff, but there's a little river or canal that's got a bunch of big logs, like the kind that people do the little log... Yeah. Like, what is it? Rolling? Like, log log rolling, where you stand on them? Yeah. Type of thing. It's filled with logs. I assume there's, like, a cut, like a sawmill or something over there. Okay. Because there's a bunch of logs all perfectly cut, and they're all huge in the water, floating. Finch runs across the logs. He makes it to, like, the middle. There's a little platform in the water. He makes it over there. Dormer is trying to do the same thing, but he keeps kind of slipping, and he ends up falling through the logs, Oh! and you kind of think, oh no, like, he got away, but then it turns into this pretty scary scene where he can't get back up, because he's trying to get through the logs, and they're so large that they keep smashing together, so he tries to, like, put his hand up, and it almost smashes his hand. And then he finds a little gap at the end where the logs are cut on the circular part, and he tries to go there, but then whatever machine, you know, pushes them down the river or whatever, pushes it, so the two logs smack together that way, and there's no opening. It's very scary. It goes on for a while, but he finally makes it out, but he's still back on the other side. So Finch got away. He's on the other side, and it's clear that Dormer's not going to try to do that again, because he almost died. Anyway, he goes back to Finch's apartment, because I assume he just thinks, well, he's got to come back here at some point, and I can't, I don't know, walk through my hotel looking like this, covered Mm -hmm. in water and stuff. I don't know how to explain that. Anyway, as he's back at Finch's apartment, Finch calls him, and Dormer picks up. And Finch is super, again, very nonchalant, as if they're buddies. He says, while you're at my house, like, take a shower, make yourself at home. Oh, could you actually feed my dogs while you're there? (laughs) Basically, they agree that they're going to go meet on a ferry the next day or that night or something. They're going to go meet on a ferry and talk this all out. Because he knows that he's the murderer, and he knows he shot his partner. Mm. They need to figure something out, right? So they can get on with their lives. One of those things sounds worse than the other. (laughs) (laughs) One of those things sounds worse than the other. Yep. Yeah. Dormer, before he leaves Finch's house, places that gun into like a vent in his house and Mm -hmm. hides it there. Essentially setting up that he's going to frame him for one thing he did do, which was shooting the guy in the leg, but the other, he's going to frame him so there's solid evidence that he murdered Eckhart. And he goes back to the police station. Now, Burr tells Dormer she's actually been looking into this case more and looking through all the details of all of Kay's stuff, like he told her to. And she goes, I noticed that that novel she had in her backpack, she has a shit ton of books by that author. And one of them is signed. If you look at this, it looks really intimate. Like as if they know each other. So then he becomes a suspect. And that scene is really cool because it shows that maybe she's even a little bit more clever than him, Dormer, Mm. because she's able to find the same stuff without having to go through 
Without having to break rules. Exactly. Yeah. So she's able to still find like, out the hey, same information. Okay, I spent five more minutes than you, and look right. what I got. Yeah. yeah. So she finds it, and he's like, oh, good for you. No way. Cool. Now they're on the ferry, and the two of them finally meet face to face. And Finch is telling Dormer, you're not who I think I am. He tries to convince him by telling him this story about how him and his grandma were mugged when he was little. And he says, you know, the cops were so nice to us. Like, I love the cops. I'm like a really nice guy. Then as they're talking and stuff, he again is trying to relate to him and say, you are not that much different from me. We've both killed someone. You know what I think we should do to solve this whole thing is we should pin this on Randy. And Dormer's like, I'm not going to do that. He didn't murder her. Finch says, well, you know what? He used to beat her, and she used to complain and cry to me about it all the time. Mm -hmm. How is that not any worse? You know, why don't we blame it on him? And he says, you know what we need? We need a wild card, something that's going to really nail that guy, you know, falsely nail that guy for what he did. Is Robin Williams, like, playing this, like, really, like, eccentric, like a psycho? No. It's very subtle. And it's not in a way that seems like bad acting. It just seems like a guy who truly believes that he's normal and that everything's fine. So he's talking about this murder and doing these things the way that I'm telling you about this movie right now. Very matter of fact. Very matter of fact, yeah. You and I are the same. That happened. We're going to frame this guy. It's going to be fine. The The only other important thing on the ferry is that besides the wild card, he claims that Kay's death was an accident. He didn't mean to do it. We need to frame Randy. Here's my stop. You think about what I said. Dormer basically says, they're going to interrogate you because you're on their list now. So these are the kind of things you need to say in the interrogation in order to make it out of there. Wow. Yeah. He's helping him out? He's helping him out because at this point he still has, he has leverage on him, you know? He's worried that if he doesn't help him out that he's going to turn him in for murdering Eckhart. Yeah, he's hardly got an upper hand. But it's very clear he still wants to get this guy, but he just kind of needs to play nice with him for now. As Finch gets off the ferry... And the, you know, the ship is leaving and they're looking at each other as Dormer's on the ship and Finch is on shore. He pulls out a tape recorder (laughs) and goes, wild card, like that. Finch has it? Finch has a tape recorder (laughs) that just recorded their whole conversation. He goes, wild card. Yeah, both of them should have had that. (laughs) They both should have, yeah. But then it's like, for him, his whole thing, I think, is more, if I'm going down, you're going down with me. Whereas Dormer is a lot more, I cannot go down. You know? Wow. Yeah. How about, I cannot let this girl's killer go free. How about do your job? (laughs) (laughs) But then he's going to go to jail. You deserve it. That's not how human beings work. (laughs) It's fine. Yeah. Anyway, he says, wild card. This is the halfway point of the movie. I think there's just so much hubris going on. I feel there's like... There's a lot of hubris. My goodness. Natalie... Not, oh my gosh, who's called her Natalie Portman? <laughs> Hillary Swank? Yeah. <laughs> Hillary Swank's going to end up in the middle of it. It's mm-hmm. going to be a showdown with all three of them. And I really don't think Al Pacino deserves to get away with everything that he's done at this point. He's gonna, I think he's going to die. Okay. He's going to die or he's not going to get away with it. Um, and then... So Al Pacino's not going to come on top, but Robin Williams... I don't really care at this point what happens to him. Like, he's either mm-hmm. going to be charged with what he's done, but either way, Al Pacino's going down. Mm-hmm. Like, he mm-hmm. just deserves it at this point, and I feel like with this movie, what where it's leaning towards, yeah. it's going to be about, you get what you serve, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. I think he's going to die, and I don't think that he's going to go to jail for the crimes that he's committed, um, Al Pacino. 
because I think because he's the protagonist of the movie, mm-hmm. I think that he's gonna die, you know, kind of like martyr esque, and so he doesn't get to live on and reap the rewards of getting away with what he's done. He pays for what he's done, mm-hmm. uh, but he's also kind of absolved. But I, I, I don't think that Robin Williams is going to make it either. Okay. And and Hilary Swank, I think, is going to get the accolades that she deserves. <laughs> I really um, wonder what this theme of insomnia and the world deserting you is about, though. I was going to say, he doesn't sleep for the entire movie. And obviously we're only halfway through, so it's not as bad right now. But it's really only like a week's worth of time. It's going to end up being, um, I think from the beginning to the end of the movie, it's exactly six or seven days. It better not be something obnoxious that he's imagined this person this whole time because he's sleep deprived. <laughs> <laughs> I will say I would like you guys to make some insomnia predictions because he it, it's it's gonna become insomnia itself is gonna become a bigger character in the second. Half. I think he's gonna become really tripped up on things and he's not gonna understand what's what and he's gonna be mm-hmm. very confused and Hillary Swank's gonna be pointing stuff out to him and he's not gonna understand or he's gonna. I mean, yeah, confusion seems like it's gonna be along with his hubris, along with not really knowing the ways of Alaska. <laughs> that's a huge, if you think about it, that's a mm-hmm. huge advantage that Robin Williams has yeah. of of knowing the place that he's living in and of knowing um, how to adapt and all that stuff because Al Pacino hasn't. Yeah. I think that um, Al Pacino's going to have hallucinations. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, as the audience, going to think that what we're seeing is reality and, mm-hmm. and it's not. Okay. Anything else? No. no. I just want right. to hear. I want to know Cool. Cool, guys. So, wild card just happened. Dormer returns to his hotel room. He returns there a lot. <laughs> and can't sleep a lot. He has this vision, because it's not a dream, because he doesn't ever sleep. But in this moment, he thinks that he for sure shot Eckhart on purpose. It's clear, I think by now, that he doesn't even know. It seems more mm-hmm. of a subconscious thing, if anything. You know, maybe a part of him did want to kill him because then he would be more in the clear. It's not totally clear to him what his intentions were, so he's having this vision that it was all on purpose. In cold blood, he saw his face clearly. Finch calls him up again because he won't stop bothering the poor man. <laughs> and they have this conversation where Finch says, no, I really want to get this off my chest as to what happened with Kay. So he describes the whole scene. Wow. And he says they never had a sexual relationship, that she was a fan of his books, they met at a book signing, I believe, they became friends, and she he kind of became her confidant, and I think she probably liked the attention from an older man, and it was one of those things where she didn't ever have to reciprocate it like she was never forced to do anything and so she liked the attention that she didn't really have to pay for in any way and she liked having a person to go to to complain about randy and her friends and someone who's more mature apparently she got in a fight with randy and her friends and she was a little bit drunk and she came over and she was crying and complaining about her life and finch got carried away in the moment and tried to console her and he went in for a kiss and it's the first time he'd ever done that and she backs away and starts laughing hysterically 
Like, that's the funniest thing that could have ever happened. Oh my goodness, you thought, no way, you thought that I liked you like that? That's wow. hysterical. Because I'm sure if she had backed away and said, like, no, I can't, yeah, it would have so been okay. Yeah. But the and laughter, I'm sure, did it in for Exactly. This. And again, he's saying all this very calmly, but he says, do you know what that feels like? To get laughed at in a way where you just feel like nothing and... You know, it's not sad. It's not like he's crying. It's you really not. Feel... I'm rolling my eyes over here because <laughs> yeah, I'm it's thinking... a 17-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about all those um, Mindhunter episodes we watched where yep. it's yeah. all about guys who killed women because they were humiliated. And... and obviously, this girl did not deserve to die. Obviously. And I'm not victim-blaming or anything, but... Different than that, it's not some girl he picked up, it's some girl he had a relationship with, and to see him telling this story in a way where he truly felt betrayed, he says that happened, and he was so mad that he hit her. And again, not okay, but that's what happened, and it's interesting to hear it from his point of view, because up until this point, we think maybe he's a serial killer. You know, we aren't sure if this was actually a one-time thing. It seems very weird that he would wash her hair and cut her nails if he's not a serial killer. I think Al Pacino would think that. I wasn't thinking that as a listener from you, though. Oh, really? No. I okay. was thinking just I think they kind of passion, okay. weirdo, Yeah, took they care of her in the end. They kind of give off a vibe as to where you think he might be a serial killer, but again, we don't, at this point, we don't know. Mm. So from this little spiel, it seems like maybe we're going to see. So he says he hit her, and when he hit her, then she freaked out, and she started screaming and crying and yelling for help, and he panicked, and then it just became, he got in over his head, and he ended up, it was like this big struggle, and the more she struggled and the more she fought, he just didn't see any other way out. And he murdered her. That's oh, yeah, fault. okay, so he's a yeah. murderer. Okay. So, yeah, so he's a murderer. <laughs> he's like, it wasn't my fault. I'm like, oh, actually, like, it was. Yeah. <laughs> it was hugely your fault. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because all you did was punch a teenager. Right. So you get an assault charge. That's the end of that. <laughs> right. It's clear that in this point in the movie, they want you to wonder how different these two characters really are. Okay. Because they're both murderers, and they both consider it an accident. And although they're wildly different crimes at this point yeah. in the movie... One seems way more accidental than the other, though. Yeah, but it's like, if you did see his face... Yeah, maybe. If you, you know? And, and the, I like that there was a backstory about Eckhart going to testify against him, because that's way yeah. more interesting. Right. Either way, I think they're both bad people, so right. I don't really care <laughs> right. about the outcome of either. And he tells him this whole thing, and Dormer is only staying on the phone reluctantly... And at the end of it, Finch goes, man, that feels so good to, like, finally tell someone all that. Why don't you tell me about how you murdered your friend? I mean, you're clearly recording it, so no. And, and then he hangs up because he's over it. Um, Dormer does. Dormer seems really stupid. Record these things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Record right? the confession. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that was a whole one-sided phone conversation he could have recorded. Gosh. But then I guess it leads into a... Uh, why was he calling you? Like, but he starts getting increasingly worse insomnia and hallucinations at this point. It starts to feel very Fight Club-esque to me because we start to see flashes of things very spliced in the way that Fight Club does when he's having hallucinations and can't keep things straight. So we'll be seeing 
him nodding off or him walking around his room, but it's getting spliced with images again of that white cloth or of the blood. Oh, or, interesting. Yeah, or random things like Eckhart or the woods, just confusing images on purpose. And it makes me wonder if it's a little bit of a ripoff because Fight Club was only three years earlier, you yeah. know? Mm. I so, felt like Memento was that way, though, too. But Memento, I think, was made at, like, the exact same time. Because Memento was before this movie. Yeah, so I'm saying maybe that's just Nolan's style. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Gotcha. Splicey and all that. Gotcha. Maybe. And that's Fincher's style sometimes, too. Yeah. Like, with the opening credits of Seven, or... Yeah. Mm, yeah. So, it's... That's funny, because Fincher is... Yeah, we, there's just a lot of parallels to Fight Club and to Seven in yeah. this movie. So it's not a downfall of the movie or anything, it just felt very familiar. Dormer goes to meet with Burr, she comes outside of his hotel, they're gonna go to the station, and she notices how crappy he looks, and how much he's nodding off and can't focus on things, and this is the day that they're gonna interrogate Finch at the police station. While they're interrogating him, he keeps trying to put the blame on Randy, which is what they specifically said he wasn't gonna do. But he keeps trying to do that because he sees that as his only way out. And he says, Randy had a .38 pistol that he kept hidden in his AC vent. Which huh. is... Where he put it in Finch. Which is where he put it in Finch's house. So he says that intentionally, knowing... He's saying to Dormer passively, I know that you hid that in my house and I found it. And then, since he said that, it gives the cops probable cause to get a warrant. And go search his house. So they're like, get us that warrant ASAP. We're going to find that gun in his house. Yeah. And Dormer knows that they're trying to get the warrant. So he leaves knowing that they're going to Randy's house. And he knows that this kid is innocent. So he goes to break into Randy's house so he can find the gun first and save Randy, basically. So the first place he checks is the heating vent or the AC vent or whatever. Because that's where he alluded to that it would be. And he can't find it there. And he's searching. They get the warrant while he's there, and they're gonna come. He doesn't know that, but it's he's trying to find it really fast, and then all of a sudden they're there. They're outside, so he has to kind of sneak back into the house as if he just got there. This is so Dexter, oh my gosh. Yeah, right? Wow. <laughs> so he has to sneak back in. They end up finding the gun in a vat of motor oil in Randy's house. So they end up finding the pistol... And Randy comes home while all the cops are in there, and they arrest him immediately. Oh, no. So. It's not the end, Kimmy. Don't oh, worry. Oh, no, Randy. Title card. <laughs> Before. Goodbye, Randy. Yeah, they, they arrest Randy. It's the end of that scene. Now Finch is leaving the interrogation room. It's just him and Burr. They're walking out together, and she walks him to his car, and he says, Hey, you know what? could actually make sure that Randy goes away for good is Kay used to give me letters that he would write to her that were really threatening and abusive. Let's meet up and I'll bring them to you. She goes, okay, awesome. No! (laughs) Oh no! Hillary! There's this separate scene where since Randy has been arrested, uh, Finch feels like he's in the clear enough with this case and he gives yeah, Dormer. Yeah, smart. Yeah, so he gives Dormer that tape recording that he had. He's like, "Here's the wild card back. You're welcome." They have this little tussle, kind of, but 
Dormer doesn't kill him because he knows he'll get in trouble. Big bad police say I can't kill people. Yeah. Yeah, they end up leaving, and Dormer is so sad because he can't do anything about it. He doesn't know what to do, and he suspects that this isn't going to be the only person that this guy kills. He thinks he is a killer. He's like, I've worked... Okay. He's like, I've worked in this for so long. This wasn't a one-time thing. He's lying. He probably got a taste for it now, and he's going to kill again. Then we cut over to a scene with Burr, and she's searching the rocks because she still never finished that report because he told her to relook at it. So she went back to the crime scene to look for more evidence, and she finds a shell casing for the 9mm Dormer uses. Mm -hmm. And she realizes this is not the casing for the bullet that killed Eckhart. What's going on? And when she sees it, she has this weird idea and she goes back to her apartment and looks at that old case file that she said she loved so much that made her a fan of Dormer. Oh, what? And in the case file, it says what kind of gun he uses, and it is a Walther 9mm. Hmm. Oh, no. Yeah. So she knows. So now she has this very big suspicion that it was him. Yeah, good for her. Yeah. Because, again, she's really clever. Yeah, And she really gets is. shit done. She's so, also not been disillusioned by years and years like he has where right. he's willing to play dirty. She's right. like a fresh young face that is yeah. willing to follow the rules. Yeah. So they, um, a bunch of the guys are at the bar, a bunch of the cop guys and Dormer are all at a bar and Dormer looks like he's going to pass out any second. He looks bad. And she rolls up with the shell casing <laughs> and she go, she like drops it on the table and goes, hmm, this is really strange, you guys. I know that we all carry so-and-so gun, and I know that the bad guy had a .38, so weird, none of us have 9mm, and none of us carry backup weapons, right? 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 It's 2002, and all these dudes are straight up from 2002, and they're all like, stupid girl, like, uh, you trying to do your job, like, boo. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> This one guy literally has a line where he says, it's after she leaves, but he goes, who has two thumbs and loves blowjobs? Wow. That's a line from the movie. I mean, anytime anyone says who has two thumbs, it's because you're pointing to yourself. Yeah, that's what he does. Oh, he's saying he loves, I was thinking he was yeah, making yeah, fun yeah. of her and saying you love to give blowjobs. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> no, he's just like, randomly, either way, both are stupid. <laughs> randomly, there's a lull in the conversation, and that's the kind of guys we're dealing with, is what wow. I'm saying. Wow, okay. Right? And they all go, ah, ha, 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 ha. Oh, good one, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Billy. I think his name's Dum Dum. Dum Dum. I'm wondering if Dum Dum was at the table. It might have been Dum Dum who said it. Who knows? They all look the same. <laughs> <laughs> they're all, they're all white, white cops. Yeah. <laughs> um, as they're leaving the bar, it's mostly Dormer and Burr are walking out together, and she purposefully gives him a hug where she reaches down to feel if he has a gun hidden in the back of his pants, and he does. And so she just grabs his ass. Yeah, pretty much. It, it looks like she's grabbing his ass. Okay. Yeah, but so she realizes he does carry a backup gun. I know for sure in my head that he did this. Now Dormer is back in his room. We found out in his scene with Robin where he destroys the tape that this is day six of insomnia. Finch says, that's past my record. I've never stayed awake for six days. You're going to have a rough time, buddy. So he's in his room. He's trying to get some sleep because... The case is technically closed, so he's supposed to go back that day or in the morning or something. And that really nice waitress lady comes into his room 
because she hears him frantically slamming pillows and blankets into the window, just trying to cover up the light with all the might that he has. So Mm. she comes in and she's like, what are you doing? And he kind of has this meltdown. But I wrote that his acting for being on day six of insomnia was so convincing that I was getting tired. I was like, just sleep already. Mm. So she's kind of putting all the pillows and the blankets back and trying to calm him down. She can see that he's upset. And he just looks so torn apart by everything that's happened while he's been here. Without her really prompting him to, tells her his life story. Hmm. And he says, All right, I used to try so hard to be a certain way, and IA is up my ass, and it kind of all goes back to this one case where back when he was younger, there was this pedophile named Wayne Dobbs who kidnapped this little boy and held him captive in his apartment and made him do all these horrible things. And at the end of the day, like the three days, ended up hanging him in his living room. And it was so horrible, but they didn't have enough evidence to connect the crime to the killer. But he was like, I had dealt with so many people, so many child molesters and murderers at this point. I knew for a fact it was this guy, and I just couldn't live knowing that this guy got to go free. That nobody would get convicted for something like this. Mm -hmm. And so... We see those scenes again where it looks like someone is trying to rub That's blood so off cool. their clothes. It was him. It was him rubbing, rubbing blood onto Dobbs's clothes. Oh. So it was him planting evidence. Okay. For this little boy's murder. Mm. So that guy did get convicted and I think even got the death penalty. Mm. And he's like, he doesn't really know what's right and wrong. And he doesn't know if the choices that he's made have been the right ones. And this totally poses all those same questions that Dexter does, where we get so upset when criminals are able to slip through the justice system's cracks, even though we know for a fact that's the person. I mean, which was a big dilemma in Seven as well. Yeah. Uh, I feel like this is a big part of Mindhunter, too. Yeah. Yeah. And also something else, and I can't pinpoint my finger on it right now, but Mm -hmm. of, of cops doing shady things for... The ends justifying the means, not yeah. that. Yeah. He's not involved in drug dealing. He's not a dirty or, cop, but he's yeah. not a moral cop. Exactly. Yeah. And she says to him, I guess it's about what you thought was right at the time and what you're willing to live with. And it's kind of this sweet moment. And that's the end of that. So we now get a little bit more of where he's coming from. He gets this last burst of energy because he knows that Finch and Burr are going to meet up about those letters. And so he goes to Finch's house because he's like, I've got to find something. I've got to find some evidence to pin this guy. And I know he's not here because I know he's at the hunting shed, like the place where Eckhart died. Mm. He's over there going to meet Burr. So he's rummaging through his apartment when he notices the stack of letters from Randy on his desk, meaning that he never intended to bring them to Burr. Yes. So he freaks out and races over to the hunting shed knowing that she's in danger. And as she's there, she's kind of walking around looking at stuff. And he goes, man, I must have misplaced those letters. Darn it. I got to look around for those. So they're kind of split up in the shack. And she notices a dress in his drawer that I think is the dress she was wearing the day she got murdered. Kay. Hmm. And she sees it, and she starts to put her hand on her gun, and he whacks her over the head, and she falls on the ground. No! Of course. Yeah. So now she's, now she's passed out in another room, 
but Dormer has arrived. However, this guy's running on six days without sleep, so he's cool. stumbling around That's and, and really not his best self, whereas, you know, Finch is pretty alert. Finch calls him, hey, guess how many hours of sleep I got last night? <laughs> Yeah, there's actually this scene where he's on the way to this little shack, and he gets so, like, engrossed in the windshield wipers that he hears a car horn and thinks he's gonna crash, and spins out, and there's no cars on the road. Anyway, they have this epic showdown where um, the two of them are fighting. I think they're even, like, fist fighting. Is it sad old man fist fighting? Oh, wow. Uh, they got some fight choreography in here? Yeah, it's not as sad as the old man running chase scene. <laughs> okay. Um, but Hillary Swank comes to in the room that she's locked in, and there's a window, so she kind of goes out and around. Okay. And she grabs a gun. I think that one of them dropped or something, or a gun that was somewhere else in the house. And she comes in, and she points it at Finch. And then he flees to the opposite side of the lake where there's another... It's kind of like there's two shacks that are both suspended above water on the same property that are a little bit apart. Okay. So he runs over to the other shack. From when they were there earlier, Dormer knows you can get to the other shack through the lake, like kind of through, not a secret passage, but kind of. So he's like, I'm going to go sneak up on him. There's seven rounds in here. Can you distract him while I go do that? They have this little bit of conversation where she asks him point blank, did you kill Eckhart? And he says yes. Mm. And she says, did you mean to? And he confesses that he doesn't know. And he says, I didn't think that I did, but now I'm thinking maybe I did. And I just don't know anymore. And I'm confused. And it's kind of sad. Anyway, she trusts him enough to give him a gun and to go over to Finch. She, Hillary Swank and Robin Williams, are having their showdown from the two sheds. She's just stalling for time. Dormer sneaks up on him from behind, knocks the gun out of his hand. The two of them are fighting. They get in a tussle. Dormer picks up the shotgun, and he's got the upper hand. He's gonna kill Finch. But then before he turns around, Finch goes, You forgot about the wild card, Bill. And pulls out a gun and shoots him. Hmm. He shoots Finch at the same time, but with a shotgun, so Finch's wound is way worse. And he falls into the water and drowns. Oh. So Finch is dead. I I was right! But Dormer has a wound that it seems is going to be fatal. And he walks out onto the dock, and he's stumbling, and he ends up, like, falling and laying down... And Burr runs over to his side, and she's, like, clutching him. She pulls out the bullet, and she goes, I know that you might think you did this on purpose, and you might be confused, but I know that you're a good cop, and I know you mean well. So she goes to throw the bullet in the water. Hmm. And he grabs her hand as she's about to throw it, and he says, don't lose your way. Redemption. Yeah. So essentially it's, I wasn't able to do it, but hopefully now that you've seen the fucking mess that I just made, and you're probably even more clever than me, you can be the new and improved version of me. And so she's getting really sad, and she puts the bullet back in the case. She's probably going to go turn him in when this scene is over. Backup is on the way, and she's like, you'll be okay, they're going to be here soon. And he says, let me sleep. 
Just Let Me Sleep. Wow. And that's the last line of the movie. So, cool. I'm glad. Yeah. Because that just seems like a, a good version yeah. of an ending. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to leaving it on a cliffhanger or ha- allowing her to compromise herself. Exactly. Yeah. It's It didn't have 22 movies of build-up, but I think it was the right thing for each of those three characters. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, that's how it ends. I do think that in watching it, the movie just screams 2002. I bet. And it sounds good still. Yeah, it's not in a bad way, but I do think that that almost makes some of the things seem not as impactful. Because then, when you when you put it in retrospect of a movie like Fight Club that was made three years earlier, mm. that movie was able to do it and you didn't quite hit those notes, so it's not like it wasn't possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. But this isn't from some source material, I'm guessing. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Is it an original written by Christopher Nolan? Well, no, because it was based on the Norwegian film. Right. Okay. But I, maybe that was based on source material, but I assume the Norwegian one was an original piece. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So, that's true. A book gives you more to work with, but even just Especially way... an author's best book. Yeah. <laughs> His first book. Exactly. And best book. He's a queen. He's a queen. <laughs> <laughs> a queen. Chuck Palahniuk is Chucky our boy queen. Chucky Boy is our queen. <laughs> yeah. Alright, guys. <laughs> what do you rate that out of ten? Eight. Okay. Yeah, I was going to say a seven. Oh, now I'm scared to give it an eight. Why? <laughs> give it a seven. Why? Because Kimmy gave it a seven. Don't let her influence you. <laughs> I do. Don't go down the wrong path. <laughs> we can't always have Courtney be the lowest score and me be the highest score. Give it an eight. That's kind of how it goes, dude. Um, Because also I'm thinking, like, it probably is dated, and, like, in terms of what else I give sevens... But, but either what way... What are some things you give sevens to? Like, like modern films. I gave Shazam a seven. Yeah, but you didn't see that yet. <laughs> What's a movie you've seen that you give a seven if to? You're, if you'll humor me to pull up a list. Oh, I would love to. Okay. Okay, I gave Green Room a seven. Yeah, I probably would have given that an eight. I gave... I'm trying... I'm, I'm only going to say ones that are, like, within the same vein as this. Like, mm. I gave Runaway Jury a seven. So, I'll give it a 7.5. 7. Yeah. Okay. So because that's... it's better than the Runaway Jury, she says. Honest, I don't know. Runaway Jury's pretty dope, dude. Mm. So our average is exactly 7.5. Okay. I can live with that. Yeah. I think that's fair. It's funny because I feel like our our round two picks are higher than our round one picks Mm, have been thus far, rating was wise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We need to see something bad. (laughs) In this round? Well, we're not gonna. (laughs) Next week. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And I don't know. I don't know what Kimmy's doing. Yeah. But we'll we'll do that. We'll talk about that later. We'll do our watch list and recommendations first. Yeah. And first, we want to thank Jilly Bob 4 for telling us to watch a Christopher Nolan film. Thanks, Jilly Bob. Hope to meet you someday. Thank you. Let's do her first, because you started first with the questions in the first round. Mm-hmm. For my watch list, um, just because I got hyped on it uh, during the trailers of the of Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, she's uh, saying something that's coming out in December. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> she really took that suggestion to heart. <laughs> Fine, I'll say whatever I want. The trailer looks so good. <laughs> I definitely cried. Every time I see it, it cry. Yeah, Leia's theme playing is pretty amazing. I know. It's yeah. so beautiful. <laughs> and that just makes me want to rewatch all of the new uh, parts of the um, trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe I'll put that on my watch list. What do you recommend this week? Oh, uh, um, sorry. Um, I recommend Endgame. <laughs> Super. <laughs> 
Um, for my watch list, I would really like to watch the movie Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. It's a Robert Downey Jr. movie. Oh. And I think it kind of was one of those ones that put him back on the map and is a murder mystery, actually. Oh, cool. And uh, I would really like to watch it. I would just really like to get some some Robert Downey Jr. fix in my life. I get that. Recommendation, I recommend Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to see it tomorrow morning. Okay. There's like a 7 a.m. showing. Cool. Okay, your turn. On my watch list, honestly, is a lot of Marvel-themed things because the, oh, first, the first thing I thought of was, what trailers did we see that I was excited about? And I'm not necessarily excited about this movie, but the trailers are so much fun and I just, man, Chris Hemsworth, I'll watch him do anything Aww. all day long. So I'm stoked to watch Men in Black. Me too. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of cool that, you know, that it's Valkyrie and him. It is so cool. Together, and then they're just like, you know, subsequently in another yeah, film. I love mm-hmm. that. So I'm stoked to see that, and I really would love to watch Iron Man 1 and 2 because the first one, well, both of them actually, I haven't seen in years. I remember little to nothing about either of them, honestly. Uh, I want to see those because now that we have gotten to the end of this huge cycle, yeah. I wanted to watch Iron Man since that was the start, and Iron Man 2 because it's the Sam one. Yes. And, and just all the callbacks from Endgame yeah. that referenced It would Iron be Man nice was... to get to see them in... I actually... I don't know what possessed me to rewatch that movie before we saw Endgame, awesome. but I was, and it was yeah. so cool to see certain things. <laughs> For my recommendation... I recommend that if anyone hasn't seen Patch Adams and they're a fan of Robin Williams, that's one of his best roles, and it's, I mean, a lot of his films are like this, where they make you laugh and they make you cry, but that one's such a beautiful balance of the two. It never gets old. It's super good. So if you haven't seen that and you are a fan, please go watch that. All right. Well, friends, catch us next week where we have a surprise. Very special surprise. Very special surprise. Uh, I will be explaining one of my all-time favorite movies to you all. The 1999 film Drop Dead Gorgeous. It's a mockumentary about a beauty pageant in Minnesota, and I cannot wait. So try and watch it if you can. It is not available on all platforms at all. (laughs) There's going to be a special surprise then in that uh, explaining. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What yep. will it be? Get ready. It's Aww. almost like endgame level surprises. Oh my gosh, have we built it up enough? A whole 12 episodes? That's the same as 11 years. <laughs> That's half as many movies as yeah, many really. episodes as there are movies. Oh. Cool. Thank you for listening. Bye, dudes. Get to sleep. Don't have insomnia. <laughs> <laughs>